Well, good morning. Last week we... Yeah, let's start it again. Last week we started a series on the book of Proverbs. And you know what's amazing is I have been in church world for, I mean, my whole life. But, I mean, I've, I've read over 300 books on preaching alone, right? I've got education that, that route. I've studied past preachers, current preachers, different denominations, different culture preachers. I have never came across somebody, I'm sure it's happened, I'm sure somewhere, but I've never come across somebody who's preached a, a, a expository series through the book of Proverbs, starting, you know, verse 1, chapter 1, all the way to the end. Uh, we're not going to either, by the way, because that would be, that would probably be about a 15-year a, a series. I mean, it's just a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of stuff in, in Proverbs. Uh, but what we're going to do is we're going to uh, look at several principles over the next 10 weeks, several real case study life type things that we're going to find ourselves in in this life. You, you'll see some of them relatively complex and your, your answer will your, your question will be, yeah, how do you deal with this one? And Solomon's going to show us how. Now, as we think through the book of, of Proverbs, again, just good to get this mindset. You've got a father, Solomon, in this case, wisest man who's ever lived, talking to basically the crown prince, his son. And he's going to give him some counsel. Dad, you ever give your, 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 your boy some counsel on life? And, and what he's going to end up saying throughout the book is he's going to say, you know, there are some crazy, complex things in life that you're going to find yourself in the middle of. There are, you're going you're to find people praising your name and you're going to have people in your face calling you all kinds of things. You're going to have temptations coming your way. Some of, you're going to have things that will appeal to the emotion, things that will appeal to the flesh, some things that will look mundane and trivial, but they're disguised as incredible opportunities. You're going to find all kinds of things coming your way and this is what you got to know. How you respond to those things. How you, every single one of those things are, are, are crossroads and how you respond will determine your life. It's going to determine whether or not you have an effective life or not. It's going to determine when you're at the end, you look back with regrets or not. How you respond to these things are crazy. Now, part of the reason we've got Proverbs, I believe, is because Tim Keller, anyway, has estimated that the precepts, the, the commands in Scripture, the precepts cover directly about 20% of life. But there's a lot of other stuff in life that we would gladly, we want a verse for, right? But we don't have a verse. If, if there was, you know, a verse that says, take the job in Toledo, we go, yeah, yeah, okay, I got it. But we've got to make decisions like that, and there's no verse. And so how in the world? Enter the book of Proverbs. Lots of high-maintenance people you come across in life, and you're going for a crying out loud. And enter the book of Proverbs, financial complexities in this life, enter the book of Proverbs. Proverbs deals with all kinds of issues, typical life stuff. Now, what's going to happen, and what we did last week, if you remember, is Solomon's going to go through all these case scenarios that we're going to really face and deal with, going to pack our wisdom bags for us. But last week he said, but before we get there, there's a prereq to wisdom. You, you have to start at the beginning. You have to start at the starting point. And if you don't start at the beginning, you, you're disqualified. Nothing else is going to matter. That's why he says the beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. 
Now, it's kind of a wild thing. You wouldn't expect that. And if you don't know what the fear of the Lord is, and maybe you're here, this is your first week coming into the series, or maybe you were here last week and you don't know what the fear of the Lord is, then I encourage you, A, to be awake today, right? But then second of all, to go to our webpage, download the MP3, and just listen, because we're not going to be able to unpack that all, but it's a critical theme in the book of Proverbs, actually the whole Bible, understanding what the fear of the Lord is and living in it. Solomon says you got to start there or everything else is null and void. Then he he gives us this next principle that we're going to unpack today. And this is found in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. It starts off this way. Proverbs 4, 23. Above all else. Just, just look at just look at that, that phrase for above all else. What does that what does that conjure up in your mind? Right? You got you got a dad, Solomon. He's going to tell his boy a bunch of stuff, a bunch of directions. But before he gets there, he says, "Listen, I'm going to tell you a bunch of stuff. But above all else, this parents, you're getting ready to go away for a uh, mom and dad on some rendezvous one day anniversary thing." You've never left your kids alone before. But the daughter's 15 and the boy's 13 and they're mature kids. And you, what kind of trouble can they get into? And they're okay. Plus, grandma lives down the block, you know, two, three homes. And so they know where to go. But but you, you, you think you can do this. But just before you walk out the door, you go over the list with them, right? The list. Now... Here's the list. You got to do this. Every night before you, well, there's only one night, but before you go to bed, I want you to go to the stove and I want you to look at all the dials and make sure it's off, 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 off. Now when you, now don't just do it from your memory. Look at them all. And when you do, you check right here. Okay, got it down. I want you to make sure the doors are locked. You know, while we're gone, you know, Susie, I want you to clean the bathroom. And, and Billy, you know, your room's a mess. You'll be working on your room. Tonight for dinner, there's hot dogs and mac and cheese. You know how to make that. Go go for it. Um, and then you say, but now hear me, hear me. Above all else, Susie, above all else, make sure your brother takes his insulin and that's, a, that's an above all else thing, isn't it? You, you, whatever else. You forget how to cook. That's okay. Just eat the hot dogs frozen. You'll be all right. You, you, you can't, you lose the vacuum cleaner. All, all, all right, all right. Even if you don't lock the doors, okay. But this one, you can't mess up on this one. Above all else. This one's on the top of the list. It's above all the, above all else. You gotta do this. You gotta do this. You got life or death. Do this. You gotta do this. Above all else. And so Solomon says, all right, son, I got all these things going on, but above all else, you got to do this one. And it's guard your heart. Guard your heart. Above all, guard, guard. What's guard? Well, the word means to protect. It means to tend to. It means to give attention to. We're in the uh, Louvre in Paris. I'm such a world traveler. I'm in the Louvre in Paris one day. And... Um, Actually, before this summer, I think, I think I've left the country a couple of times. I went to Niagara Falls and I just went over the border into Mexico. So, uh, we're in the Louvre though. It, Louvre has got lots of cool things. They got Himrabi's Code is there. Not a copy. Himrabi's Code is there. And you can go up to it and they've got a little stand around it. But if you want to, you can kind of reach over and touch it. If you, I did that. You're not supposed to buy it. Well, maybe you're not supposed to. Anyway, uh, you, you can go right up to Rembrandt's. And uh, Renoir's. Uh, you can go right up to them. There's no glass case. You can go right up to them, and you can touch them if you want. You're not supposed to, and if you do, alarms do go off. But you can get, not that I know personally, but you can. You can get right there. There's nothing between you and 
the classics. I mean, they're right, they're right there. It amazes me. But if you want to see the Mona Lisa, you go into the Mona Lisa room. It's probably about a third of a football field. There's stuff on the other walls. I don't think anyone pays any attention to it. I can't even know what's on it. But this one wall, they got this big glass case, and the Mona Lisa's in there. And then they've got this Stanton, you know, those ropey things you find at the theater, about four feet away from the glass case. So the closest you can get to the glass case is about four feet. And then you've got two security guards on this side and two security guards on this side of the Mona Lisa. Now, what is amazing to me is you're going to guard, right, that which is precious. You've got Rembrandt's right out in the open. But I'm guessing that the Louvre thinks that this Mona Lisa is incredibly, incredibly superior in its preciousness. You guard that which, you don't guard garbage dumps, right? You guard that which is precious. Solomon, wisest man who ever lived, says, listen to me, listen, above all else, above all else, guard your heart. Guard your heart. Now, heart, we think heart, seat of emotions, right? I love you with my whole heart. You know, you, you send a note to your kids or your boyfriend or girlfriend, and you got the little heart emojis, you know, 15 of them there, and, and I love you with my whole heart. Well, this, this idea that the heart is the seat of the emotions is, is a Greek thought. Um, it's not a Hebrew thought. The, the, the ancient Hebrews, that was not on their radar. The, the heart for an ancient Hebrew is kind of like inside life. You got the outside thing, you got your body, you got, but but you got a control room on the inside. You got the, you got the the place where you ponder stuff, where you think about things, where you consider stuff, where you put two and two together, where you, where you where you dream. It, it's 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 in the inside. It's your heart, it's your mind. And and Solomon says, I'm the wisest guy in the world, so listen to me. I'm just telling you, above everything else, whether you get the other things or not, I hope you do, but if you don't, okay, don't miss this one. Guard your heart. Guard that inside. Guard your mind. And here's this reason why. Because uh, this is uh, uh, NIV, I think, maybe, for everything you do flows from it. For everything you do flows from it. You, we remember some of the uh, uh, New American Standard. For it is the wellspring of life. The, the idea is your heart is this um, uh, lake, and everything that flows out of it, all of your life flows out of this lake. So make sure the lake is, is taken care of. You know, tend it, protect it. Don't let anyone enter contaminants into it. Uh, everything you do flows from it. You know, um, Luke chapter 6. Jesus is, 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 is talking and he says this. It's interesting. He says, No good tree bears bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. Each tree is recognized by its own fruit. People do not pick up figs from thorn bushes or grapes from briars. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. And an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Now, Jesus is not stupid. Jesus knows we can pretend and fake and we can be hypocrites and we can try to manage our image and all that kind of stuff. But ultimately, your life is going to come out of what's inside. 
It, all of the stuff we face, all the circumstances and all the variables and all the decisions we face, they, all that stuff is put through our control room, our heart, and an answer pops out, what we're going to do. And so Solomon says, above all else, guard your heart because all of life comes out of this. Remember First um, Samuel 16. Remember, you know the story, right? Samuel, prophet Samuel, is looking for a king for Israel. Now they have a King Saul, but he's kind of freaked out. He's not a good guy anymore. And so he's looking for a new king. And so everyone in Israel knows that Samuel is a prophet. Samuel walks in with an anointing, a horn of anointing oil. They all know what this means. God had told them to go hang out at Jesse's house. So he goes there. All of Jesse's sons come. They see the prophet standing there with a horn of anointing oil. They know what's going on. And so they have like a Mr. Universe pageant contest. And so all of Jesse's boys come in front of Samuel and he's going, hmm. and scripture says the very first guy, the oldest one, Eliab, he's, you know, head and shoulders over the best and he's, he's, he's responsible and he's strong and he's good looking. And he comes up and he's such a good looking guy that Samuel looks at him and says, wow, surely the Lord's anointed stands in front of me. This is the guy. I know. I can see. I can tell. But God says to Samuel, do not look on his appearance or on the height of his stature or his education or his gifts or or, or his eloquence or his biceps because I have rejected him. For the Lord sees not, this is so important, for the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance. Your charisma. <laughs> you're a people person. You're, you can sell anybody, your, your, your abilities. But the Lord looks on the heart. They're going to end up, Samuel's going to end up anointing the runt of the family, the one who's least tall, the one who's watching the sheep, which means he's got the lowest position. It's David. It's no, it's no surprise that David is going to go forth and he's going to write some of the, the most beautiful hymns of the church. Not because he's a good musician, though he may have been. Not because he's, he's got, you know, his great set of pipes on the guy or he can really wail on the harp. No, no, no. He's going to write some great music for the church because he's guarded his heart. Because his heart is, is, is pure. He's protected his heart. Uh, God is going to use people to accomplish eternal fruit for him. And the people he chooses, the people he chooses, the people he chooses, the gifts and all that is good, but the people he chooses, did they guard their heart? That's who he chooses. Because, you know, you can't, we can't bamboozle God, right? Um, I think this is why uh, Proverbs 27, 19, great, great verse. Uh, Solomon says this, 27.19, he says, As water reflects the face, so one's life reflects the heart. In other words, what defines you is not your accoutrements or your accomplishments or your trophy case or your office or your, your, your cars or your GPA or what school you got into or what job you hold. That's not, that's not defined, not in God's eyes. Maybe we're old people there, but not in God's eyes. What defines you, what reflects you is the condition of your heart, of your mind. Let me ask you, what condition is your mind in? When God looks at the heart and mind of all of us today, what's he, he's seen? Because that's who you are in God's perspective, in, in, in significance, in importance. Matthew chapter 5, Jesus takes us just a little bit further in definition. 
and he, he said this, you've heard that it was said long ago. You've heard that it was said. One of the, you know, don't commit adultery is the seventh commandment. Yeah, these guys had all heard that. That's right, they knew that one. And then Jesus says, but I say to you, that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. It's it's interesting. He's going right before this part. He says, "You've heard that it was said that, that that you shouldn't commit murder." That's right. They've heard that. And then Jesus says, "But I tell you, if you hate someone inside your heart, judgment." And you know what's fascinating is it's not like you get less time in purgatory because you just you know hated them in your heart. You didn't actually kill somebody. No, 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 no. The punishment's the same. And, and, and this is fascinating because he's saying that in what goes on in your heart, the judgment eternally is as great as what goes on outside. So what's going on in our heart? We think we can hide. We can hide. You don't know what's really going through my mind. We can hide. But you can't hide what's going on uh, inside always. It's just like, it's like, it's like this. I think what we got is we got a a a uh, 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 <laughs> let me let me give you, let me give you an, an example on this one. When I grew up in church, I grew up in church. I've always been a good little church boy, at least a church boy. Good is a relevant thing, right? Grew up with a song, maybe for this song, you know, oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. You know, you know that song. Be careful. I'm not ready to lead us all in a choir. This, but but because the Father up above is looking down in love. Now, when we would do this, the Father up above, we had this stern look, is looking down in love. I don't know how we got love out of that. But either way, the idea was, the thought was, you know, God is watching you, so you better be careful because He's gonna slap. He's got maybe He's got love going on somewhere, but He's got a stick behind His back. And so we'd keep singing this song. Oh, be careful, little ears, would you hear? Be careful, little ears, would you hear? As the Father up above is looking down in love. So be careful, little ears, what you hear. And they go through what you, oh, little tongue, what you, what you speak, and, and little hands, uh, what you do, and little feet, where you go. Uh, and they cover all that. Uh, they, they cover everything, you, every sin you could possibly get into just about. They've, they covered it in that, in that song. But the author forgets the most important verse, the very first verse. The verse that, by which all the other ones have to take their cue. Okay, all the other ones, if they don't have this first verse, all the other ones are just pure moralism. And that is, oh, be careful, little mind, what you think. Oh, be careful, little mind, what you think. Because if the thoughts that you think just really, really stink, you will end up in the gutter or the brink. You know, that's just, it's a, that is, that is exactly what, what, what Proverbs 4.23 is saying. If, if your thoughts stink, you know what's going to happen? From it flow your whole life. Everything comes out of it. Hey, let me give you a, a metaphor. You've got a garden in the backyard, okay? Now, this garden in the backyard, um, you will eat the produce out of this garden. Matter of fact, this is all you will ever eat is produce. You cannot eat anything else, but everything here you, will sustain you. And, and this is your, your garden. Your life is here. If you want to, you can go sprinkle arsenic in the soil. If you want to, you can dump that old paint and chemicals and pollutants. and uh, You can put that in the soil if you want. Absolutely you can. 
But when the produce grows, it's going to leach that stuff. And you have to eat. This is all you get to eat. It will destroy your life. Different, different, different uh, analogy. You're baking a cake. And you can put whatever you want in that cake when you're mixing this thing up. You like sugar? Put it in nine cups, right? You put that on in there. You want to put a fifth of vodka? Just put it on in there. That's going to make this a good cake. You know, put it on. If you want to, if you want to, you can put in a dirty diaper in this, in this thing. You can just put whatever you want in this. You can let your friends put stuff into the cake and they, they will want to. And so they can put in all kinds of horrible, gross stuff and you can laugh about it and think it's fun. But you got to know this. You got to know this that when the cake is baked you have to eat it and if it's bitter if it's hard to swallow if it's poisonous if it can distort your your thinking if it makes your future incredibly unenjoyable you just need to know this that what you put in is going to come out it just will. This is a simple uh, principle in Scripture of, of, of reaping and sowing, right? Galatians chapter 6, verse 7 and 8. It says straight up, it says, be not deceived. Whenever you see the, the be not deceived, do not be deceived, first thing you've got to say is, is first thing you've got to recognize is the reason why that line is there. I mean, God's a good economizer of words. God's not interested in wastes. He could have had 50 volumes. This is all he's got, and half of mine anyway is, is study notes. So, so he's a great economizer of words. So when he says, don't be deceived, right away we should think, this is probably a place I can be deceived. That's probably a place. He says, don't be deceived. God's not mocked. He's not bamboozled. You can't pull one over on him. Whatever a man, whatever a man sows... That's what he reaps. If you sow corn seed, don't be ticked off if, if barley doesn't come up. You know what I'm saying? If, if, what, if, you, if you sow corn, don't plan on tomatoes and being ticked off if you, if you don't get tomatoes because what you sow, you're going to get. You, you, this, this is just a principle through Scripture. My father, I, I love my father very much. He died when he was, I think, 60 from emphysema. He smoked cigarettes one after the other after the other after the other i watched him try to quit several times he had a hard time he wasn't able to do that uh, but i remember i went to the hospital when he was when he was uh, uh dying and i remember him saying to me son god's just getting back at me and i, I don't think i said this i, I can't remember but I, i've certainly thought this god dad 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 God does not enjoy seeing you here. He's not getting back at you. Bottom line is, you, you planted this. Remember when I was a little boy, you told me, one time you got back from the doctors and you told me the doctors told you you should quit smoking, it would kill you, and you blew them off. All that's happening here is, is, is you're reaping what you sowed. The bottom line is, if we pour toxins into our mind, if we allow, we don't protect it. We don't guard it. We allow other people to pour toxins into our mind. We allow, then what's gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna live this one day. Well, we, we just, we just will. You know, let me, let me, let me ask you this. Uh, a heroin addict, do you think somebody who's been spending years and years pouring these chemicals into their mind, having it alter their, 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 their body as it has. Do you think they can, on a moment, say, you know what, I'm done with this. Okay, never again, I'm finished, and walk away with no problem. 
I'm guessing there's miracle stories out there. I think I've heard of one or two, but I don't know any of those people. What my experience is, is you can say you're going to quit, but it's going to be a long, hard road. Lots of pain, lots of tears, relapsing, hurt, uh, coping, stress. Uh, There's going to be a lot of issues. Because when the addict became an addict, he put enough of that stuff in his body, he took away the freedom to just decide, I'm not going to do this anymore. He's already decided 60,000 times he wasn't going to do this anymore. It just doesn't work that easy. If, in fact, we pour toxins into our mind, if, in fact, we don't guard our mind, if, in fact, we allow it to, to go into chaos, and then one day we decide we want to make a wise decision. You know what reality is? We might not be able to. It's not that we don't want to. We, we might not have the wherewithal, because wisdom is not necessarily, I can turn it on or turn it off. He's, he's going to go through his. Wisdom is something that's developed. It's as you guard and you protect the, 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 the mind, the heart, the wellspring of life. It, it grows. It grows in discerning capabilities. It, it, it moves along so that when those things come up, then you're able to deal with it. So, so okay, okay. Above all else, guard the mind. It's the wellspring of life. How do I guard the mind? Okay, there's four things that we're going to look at real quick. How do you guard the mind? First of all, you need to want. I'm going to say you need to want it. You need to want how to do it. The book of Proverbs is a book on education. Crazy thing is, it doesn't talk a whole lot about teaching. It talks a whole lot about learning. In other words, our learning, I can never blame my teacher, the the learner has responsibility to learn. In other words, you stand before God one day and he says, let's talk about your sanctification. You can't say, oh, God, 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 God. I, I, I wanted to, right? See, but you gave me this Pastor Mark person. So for crying out loud, I tried, you know, but what could I do? And God will say, oh, yeah, that's right. I forgot about that one. However, you grew up in the United States. You have all kinds of resources. Let's look at your schedule. Let's look at your time. Let's see how well you guarded your your heart. I wish so much that you could teach someone to want it. Don't you just wish you tell someone something and they kind of smile and nod. You know good and well they're not interested. You know they don't care and they're going to go out and do the different thing anyways. But you can't. Proverbs 24. What a cool... What a, what a cool text. Um, I passed by the field of a sluggard. You want to ask yourself, are you a spiritual sluggard when we get through this, right? By the vineyard of a man lacking sense, his garden, and behold, it was all overgrown with thorns, and the ground was covered with nettles, and its stone wall, that which was supposed to protect it, was broken down. This guy just let it go. Just let it go. Then I saw and considered it. I looked and received instruction, a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. And poverty will come upon you like a robber and want like an armed man. You know what? Here's the deal. It is hard to guard, isn't it? it to, to guard our mind, to guard our heart. Well, think about a guard for a minute. He, there's a reason why they give the guy a gun. Because you may have to confront. Because there are other things, other people who want to interject in the situation. And so it's, it's, you can have confrontation when you decide to guard. When you have to tend to the garden, what happens? You roll up the sleeves, you get them in the dirt, you're trying to pull in weeds, they're stickering on you, it, it's hurting. It takes sweat to, to, to guard, to tend the garden. And a lot of people are saying, you know what? <laughs> it's just too difficult. 
For crying out loud, I live 21st century America. I just, you know what, it, it is what it is. I'm just going to let it go. And Solomon says, no, it's not, it's not culture. It's not society. It's spiritual laziness. It's a mental field of the sluggard. If we don't guard our mind, which takes work, takes work. We don't guard our mind. It will destroy our life, he says. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. I just need to, I, I can't take care of this right now. Poverty will come upon you, spiritual poverty, like a robber, and want like an armed man. So we've got we to want to. We've got to be committed and say, by golly, I'm going to guard, I'm going to guard, my, I'm not sure all that's involved with this, but I'm going to guard my mind. Okay, we got we got to want it. Second thing we got to do is we got to weed it. Weed it. Uh, when we become Christians, Holy Spirit comes within us. It's a great thing. Holy Spirit comes within us, right? It makes takes up residence in us. Problem is this. Uh, prior to the Spirit's arrival, we have gone to every, you know, bargain basement sale, garage sale, pawn shop, this side of hell, and we've redecorated our heart and we furnished our heart. And so the Spirit comes in and he's looking at the stuff going, oh, we've got, uh, and we've got all this stuff in there. And, and, Neuro, neuroscience stuff, tapes that we've played over and over and over, scenes that we've enacted over and over and over. And so it's kind of like beat a path in our, in our mind. Now, some of the stuff that's been put in, parents, past situations, some of the stuff is, is, is unconscious, subconscious stuff. I got that. We can't even deal with that right now. Okay, I'm going to mess with that. Don't worry about that. Our issue is probably the stuff we can control. Let me, let me ask you, what's playing on the theater of your mind? What's playing on the theater, theater of your mind? What's going, what, what tapes are you playing? What pictures are you reliving? Maybe, maybe the, 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 the going on in your mind is like the lifestyles of the rich and famous starring you. You know, when my boat comes in. You know, it's not nothing horrific. I just kind of like dream of stuff. It's covetousness is what it is. Uh, it's sin. It's, it's in the same list that adultery's in, by the way. Uh, maybe what's going through your mind that you play on a regular basis is like a, a law and order where you're always in a court scene and, and always on trial are the, the people who messed you up, hurt you in the past and in the present. Jerky, cocky, arrogant people. And, and you play these scenes over and over again where you are the, the started as the judge and as the, the prosecuting attorney and as the key witness and maybe even the henchman. These guys are going to get what they want. Want. Maybe you've got like an action movie going through your mind over and over again that is uh, blood and guts type stuff. It's vengeance. The things we can think about. Some vengeance. Forget the concept of forgiveness. Vengeance on people. Maybe you got going superhero movies in your mind. You know, starring you. You know, the savior of the world. He always comes through and he's on top of it. Everyone loves him and he's always winning. Uh, self. Promotion, self-aggrandizement. Maybe, maybe you got this uh, chick flick comedy deal going on, romantic comedy, where you find your, your soulmate. You know what I mean? And life is always perfect. And looking, and, and you compare it to what you got right now, and you're going for geez, a little ways for crying out. But this, this way, and you got this non-reality fantasy that you play over and over and over. Not what you got. Maybe it's a triple X porn movie starring you, but nobody else knows, so it's you know it's, it's okay. It's okay. Nobody's really gonna know. You never know what's in my mind. And yet I say this it will always come out. 
always, 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 one way or another. It may be that I'm just a little bit more prone to anger. It may be that I'm a little more emotionally distant from my family. It, it may be that I'm just not as willing to forgive or as quick to love or, or as uh, quick to look to heaven. Whatever, when we play, you can't sin. God's not mocked, remember? You can't sin, even inside and get away with it. But as we all think we can. You can't, you can't. You'll never be the husband, the wife, the parent, the kid, the, the, the friend that you could have been. Your life will never be what it could have been. If we're to guard it, this is why Solomon says, above all else, above all else, guard the heart, guard the mind. Your life flows from that. We've got to want it. We've got to weed it. We've got to protect it. Protect it. Um, let's just say your garden's good, but you've got to know that there are people, remember the guard has the gun, there are people who want to inject stuff that they shouldn't inject, that shouldn't be there. Uh, Job 31.1, Job says this, I've made a covenant with my eyes. Uh, my version, I've made a covenant with my eyes that I will not look upon a maid. Now, this is really wild when you think about this. Job's imagination had to be crazy because like every woman at this point in history is walking around dressed like the Michelin man and he's struggling with this, right? But he knows he's struggling with this. So he says, I'm, 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 I'm not giving that second look. Whatever it is. Uh, psalm 101. This is such a cool psalm. I, we just don't have time. I wish we had time. If you're serious about wanting to reprogram your mind, this is where you start. There's only eight verses in Psalm 101. You memorize them. Memorize them. Memorize them. And basically, they're this whole idea of protecting your mind. You memorize them. Quote them every single morning. You're in the shower, on the car, on the way to work, whatever else. You're memorizing Psalm 101. And let me just read one verse out of this. Psalm 101, verse 3. He says, I will not set before my eyes anything that is worthless. It's not, I'm just not going to set anything before my eyes is perverted, okay, well, but anything that is worthless. Um, sometimes there's some stuff that we would say, well, that's okay, but it's worthless stuff. He says, I'm not putting it in. I'm guarding my mind. I'm protecting it. I, it's not getting in. I'm watching over it. We've got to, we got to want it. We've got to weed it. We've got to protect it. We got to, fourth thing, most important thing, we got to feed it. Okay, so you got to need it, weed it, heat it, feed it. Got it? And when you, when you feed it, this is, this is the deal. Most, this is why it's most important. Because you can't, you know this, you can't just shut down a bad thought. I'm just not going to think about that thought. Whatever you resist will persist unless you replace. And so it's, 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 Going to the garden, and you're not just pulling weeds. Sometimes you're putting, you know, your organic compost on it. You're putting your appropriate fertilizers on it. You're watering it at the right time. You have to put in as well as as take out. And so, what do you what do you put in? Just look at this is a, a very convicting text, Hebrews five. Just look at this for a second. About this, we have much to say. It's hard to explain, since you have become dull of hearing. This, this is interesting. He's talking to lay folk. He's talking to us, and he's saying, y- "Y'all can't hear. I would explain this, but you can't understand what I'm going to say." He's talking about deeper theology here. For though by this time you ought to be teachers. 
You ought to have this stuff mastered. Instead, you need someone to teach you, again, the basic principles of the oracles. That's of the word of God. You need milk, not solid food, for everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness. No, it's unskilled in the word of righteousness. They live on milk. So they're into Bible. It's just a very shallow part of Bible, but they're into it, but they're unskilled in it. He's a child, but solid food is for the mature. For those who have their power... No, no, well, notice this line. For those who have their powers of discernment, discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. You see this? Constant practice of the word of God. Constantly taking care of. Constantly mending the garden. I'm constantly protecting it. Not just once in a while. I'm constantly uh, putting God's word in. My discernment capabilities get sharper as I do that. And when I pull away, my hearing is dull. My hearing is dull. Philippians 4.8. And I quote this verse every time. Not every time. I should every time. But often when I feel my mind is being un- under assault. Okay. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, anything God would praise, think about these things. Let these things dwell on your mind. You know, the first three words, true, honest, right. I know this. I'll swear when Paul uses these words, he's referring to the word of God. These true, honest, right. Think on these. This is doctrine. This is the word of God. As you think on these things, as you pour these things in, these are the things you're supposed to be dwelling. The evil thoughts are going to slide. The evil evil thoughts are going to run away. Let me read you a quote. I love this quote from uh, John, John MacArthur. He says this. He says, evil thoughts are like candy to the evil thinker. They derive great satisfaction from their imaginary sin. They savor their evil fantasies. They relive them like choiced morsels of sweetness under the tongue. They roll them around in their imagination. They return to the same wicked musings from which they can glean illicit pleasures over and over again. They mull them over like an animal chewing its cud, bringing up their favorite evil thoughts time and time again to reenact them anew in their mind. Feeding right drive those things out it, it we feeding is really your best best way to weed to feed was it uh william tyndale 1500 this guy he's got he's been feeding his mind god's word he's been pouring he's been guarding his mind and so his imagination goes goes off one day not in a trashy way, but he starts imagining, what, wait, 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 what, what, I wonder what would happen if we put the Bible into a language people could read. You know, we think, well, well duh. But back then, no, no, no. The, the, the Bible was in Latin. Nobody spoke Latin except for the church hierarchy. And they didn't want the, the Bible in the language of the people because the people could mess it up. But Tyndale knows the power of the word of God and envisions what the world could be, what could happen, what power that could be unleashed if he got God's word. And so he translates the New Testament, first guy to translate it into, into English. 
you've got George Mueller. George Mueller, he was a helling and a half when he was a kid in, in, in high school. He was just a rough guy. But God gets a hold of him. And he's thinking. He's protecting his mind. He's guarding his mind. He's guarding his heart. He's feeding it appropriately. And he's thinking, well, maybe I should be a missionary. I don't know what I should. So he's in London, though, and he sees all these kids in the street, these orphans. No one's taking care of them. Bad things are happening to them. His imagination goes wild, and he thinks, what if... We did something to protect these kids, to take care of these kids, to disciple these kids, to give these guys a loving family. Huge orphan ministry in, in England, George Mueller. You, you, you've got a handful of guys at Life Church in Oklahoma, 2007. And this is their issue. They're thinking, the whole world needs the word of God. But it's difficult to get the Bible printed. It's costly to get it over there. You've got a lot of places it's hostile. You get far away. It's difficult to get it. What can we do? Well, technologies comes out. One of the first 200 apps on the app store is an app called YouVersion. It's the Bible, which today has been translated in, on YouVersion to 1,186 languages. It is downloaded, been downloaded over 300 million times. It's in, uh, it's, it's interesting that countries hostile to Christianity almost have a higher rate of downloading this thing than countries pro-Christian countries. Uh, their goal is by the year 2033, 99.9% of all the world's language, languages will be translated and able to be accessed through version Because some folk use their imagination for kingdom building, major, major things. you got Carl and Lori Ralston. Remember these guys? You heard these guys? Where Carl's just a business guy. He's just a business guy. But he's been guarding his mind. And he, he hears and understands about this sex slave industry thing that kids, innocent kids, are being sold into and their lives are being destroyed. And so he, what can we do? Today, remember new. He's got over 100 homes in 15 countries. Thousands of children have been protected from the sex slave industry through that. You know, I, I think this. I think this. I think the greatest Christian music is not songs that were written 200 years ago. It's not songs that were written yesterday. It has, has yet to be written. The greatest Christian stories, literature, have yet to be published. I believe that the greatest Christian endeavors for world evangelization have yet to be imagined. And, but, but this is the deal. Just like with David, you know, where he, he, don't look at his appearance. God looks at his heart and chooses. The people who come up with those things will be people who have protected their heart over, they've, over and over. They've protected it from assault. They've protected it from the things that even they would want to put in. They would feed it God's word. Then there'll be a day when their mind and their heart, where God uses them to build this kingdom in ways that they wouldn't. So let me ask you, are you guarding your heart? Because Solomon says, we're going to go through all this wisdom stuff, and we're going to go through, through it for the next nine weeks now. But above all else, above all of it, you have to guard the heart, or it's not going to mean much. Lord, thank you for your patience with, with, with me, for your patience with us, your people. Thank you, God, for the indwelling Holy Spirit, that your desire is to sanctify us, to clean up, and God, I, I, I know that protecting, guarding, there's some energy that needs to be outlaid there. 
for your people here, Lord, for anybody whose spirit you may have touched this morning, people who may have been letting their mind go without even thinking about it, for folk who have been entertaining the straight-up ungodly or useless things that would hurt them spiritually. Oh, God, would you, would you remind us? Would you give us that want to? And then, Lord, may we, we weed the stuff out that we can. Would we lean into you for that? Oh, Lord, would we protect? Would we be wise and discerning to recognize the assault on our mind through media and through friends and through all kinds of stuff? And, God, would you give us the courage to, to, to protect, regardless of what that might mean? And Lord, would you, would you show us how to feed our soul on your word? Oh, Holy Spirit, would you open our eyes in that regard? Would our schedules reflect that? That we would be people that you could use for your kingdom's sake in this world. Lord, as we take up this offering too, would you use the monies that are given to promote this message, your gospel, Lord, in Erie and beyond? Would you use the monies that are given to disciple our kids, to, to care and honor our, our widows, everybody in between? Lord, would you use these monies in a heavenly, eternal uh, perspective way, we ask this week even, in the name of Jesus. Amen.